ready source of help and encouragement to my wife and I uh, over the years and for your faithful support of our ministry. And uh, I'm so thankful that Pastor Mark uh, allowed me the opportunity of going to uh, Ethiopia uh, to represent our church during the uh, first ever global missions conference there. And uh, I'm going to um, give you a little PowerPoint presentation here. I, um, you may figure this out along the way, but I'll confess it up front. I'm not a PowerPoint kind of guy, but um, I usually take my little flashlight and do uh, shadow puppets on the wall. But um, that's not going to be very descriptive. I think I probably need a microphone here. <clears throat> okay. Are we good here? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Good. Um, get my notes pulled around here. And uh, a few months ago when Pastor Mark asked if I could uh, represent uh, Faith Baptist Church at the missions conference there in Ethiopia, um, I thought about it for about three seconds, and then I said, of course. Uh, I've been to Ethiopia several times before, <clears throat> and uh, so thankful for an opportunity uh, to go back there again. But uh, let's see, we're not on our PowerPoint here. There we go. Um, I found out my, tan my friend Tanner Gregory had a passport. Tanner, raise your hand so everybody can see you. Uh, over, back to the right over here, on my right. Uh, I invited Tanner to go, and uh, next day he texted me and said, of course, I'll go. Uh, we started our we started our 14-hour nonstop flight uh, in Atlanta, and uh, Tanner did great, passing out tracks and uh, uh, even testifying at one of the <clears throat> one of the house church meetings. And it was also a special blessing for me to be able to reconnect with uh, friends that uh, some of them that Barbara and I made. Uh, when we first visited Ethiopia in 1985, when it was a communist country, uh, this is one of our the missionaries of Faith Baptist supports. Uh, her name is Gomaju, and she's the director of the Victory School for the Deaf. <clears throat> we also met up with another missionary that uh, Faith Baptist supports. In fact, uh, Burhanu and his wife Wubit, they are members here. Uh, Burhanu is the founder and the director of uh, the East Africa Baptist Mission there in Ethiopia. I also was able to meet Pastor Abraham Chol. He's the one in the middle there. Uh, he is a Sudanese pastor uh, who is uh, pastoring a church in a refugee camp, uh, and he's one of our mission missionaries that we support, uh, along with his co-laborer there, Pastor Gabriel. And... Uh, for what it's worth, you coffee lovers, Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee. And uh, <clears throat> some of us were able to enjoy the wonderful, unique experience of fresh roasted coffee right there on the spot and um, be able to, didn't have to pay the Starbucks price. It was about 60 cents a cup uh, U.S. We also uh, were able to enjoy and experience some of the traditional Ethiopian food. 
You see there in the bottom left corner, it's called uh, injera bawat. Uh, the injera is a bread, it's a tortilla-like bread. The what are all of the uh, dishes that are put into the middle of that. And I think it's called what because you look at it and you say, what is that? <clears throat> And uh, this is a special slide because there are some people here that persecute me because I carry duct tape in my pocket. And um, this is Exhibit A in my defense. If you'll notice the duct tape that I was able to pull out and apply to Burhanu's bumper when it fell off and hold it on (laughs) so we could get, get back home to our, get back to our hotel room. And so... I rest my case. Carry duct tape in your pocket. Uh, Hello. There we go. Moving on to spiritual matters now. Uh, Burhanu and Wubit, they are missionaries. This is their sending church. God has given us a wonderful relationship with them over the years. And uh, this is also his son, Sega who is uh, like a right-hand man in the ministry there, uh, helping him with uh, the responsibilities of the East Africa Baptist Mission, or as we often call it, the EABM. Excuse me, just a moment. Uh, Just a quick history of EABM. It was founded 20 years ago by Burhanu, uh, and uh, they just celebrated their 20th anniversary. He has a, a very extensive training ministry throughout Ethiopia and even into some of the neighboring countries. Uh, we had the opportunity to visit the uh, construction site where this building is being uh, erected uh, for a centralized training center, and um, that, that, that would be the, uh, the upper floor where they had recently poured the concrete, and um, I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray for the completion of this building, that uh, there, is a, there are some major construction details that still need to be uh, determined. And uh, just pray the Lord would guide and direct throughout uh, that entire process of, um, of raising up that training center. But the main purpose for our trip was to attend the uh, the East Africa Baptist Mission, or EABM, the Global Missions Conference. And there were, there were people from six different nations that were at that conference. And uh, the, the, main perp- the significance of the conference, I believe, is symbolized by the, the quote on this, on this slide here, that evangelism is not complete unless the evangelized become evangelist. And that is the, that is the transition phase that the Burhanu is looking to happen there in Ethiopia, where Ethiopia, they have been recipients of missionaries and of the gospel for many decades, and how that uh, it's now their time that they would, uh, that they would go out as missionaries to other nations. I so appreciated the, the theme of the conference, very simple, but very to the point, where Burhanu 
uh, kept emphasizing that our mission is global. And he was trying to get his Ethiopian uh, fellow believers to for that to catch fire in their heart. And um, I don't multitask very well either, especially moving around little pieces of paper. Uh, there were uh, speakers from several different nations. Uh, I was not able to get a group picture with our Filipino brethren that were there, but uh, uh, speakers from the Philippines, from uh, Sudan, from America, uh, Ethiopian speakers as well. And then this is uh, a new friend of mine, uh, Pastor Josiah Wambua, uh, who pastors the Bethel Baptist Church in Nairobi, Kenya. And I really appreciated uh, Burhanu um, having those at the conference to recite these verses every day. Uh, It's from Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, where God is asking the question, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And then Isaiah's ready answer where he said, Here am I, Lord, send me. Uh, the crowds were overflowing to capacity, uh, estimated as many as 400 there uh, each day. And these were, there were about four or five hours of meetings each day. And they were very well attended. And uh, let's see, another shot there. And I'm going to um, pause the PowerPoint here for a moment. And I want to read you a few things from some notes that, that I have here. And uh, we're good on the, the pulpit mic. I, I want you to think back, those of you who are a regular part of Faith Baptist Church, I want you to think back to the night of Friday, August 18th, uh, so a little over two weeks ago. I wonder if any of you might have been burdened to pray for that conference or to pray for me. Anyone that, okay, got several hands that are going up. And I want to say thank you uh, for praying. Uh, I will say this is one of the most exciting things that I've ever been privileged to be part of. And uh, I believe that what was going on that night in my hotel room as God woke me up at about 2 o'clock in the morning uh, which would have, the time difference, it would have been about 7 p.m. Friday night here. I believe it was truly just a God moment. And, and, and let me explain what I mean by that. I was scheduled to preach on Saturday morning uh, to close out the conference. And uh, I woke up at 2 a.m. with the conference on my mind. I'm usually a pretty sound sleeper. You can ask my wife. <laughs> Um, I'm usually a sound sleeper, but the Lord just woke me up. And there was a thought that he was laying on my heart that this conference is bigger than the crowds of 400-plus people. That uh, there was something even more astounding that was going on in that auditorium than the fact that there were seven different preachers who preached seven messages that perfectly meshed together, and the order of those and the content of those was obviously orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. 
And I want you to put on your spiritual thinking cap here for a moment um, because I'm going to transition from, from something physical into something spiritual. But it was, it was there in the middle of the night that the Lord reminded me of when our first child was born. In fact, she was born 44 years ago today. Um, my wife and I, we were, I went into the delivery room with her. And the Lord was impressing that on my heart, not in the sense of a memory of, of a hospital room 44 years ago in Michigan, but in the sense that that auditorium that we were meeting in, that it was a delivery room. There was something that God was trying to birth in the hearts and the minds of Ethiopian believers. It was it would be done through the it was being done through the preaching of God's word and of the Holy Spirit moving upon hearts and minds that were there not to deliver a physical baby of course but this baby would be something spiritual. It would not be a half mix of American and Ethiopian or Filipino and Ethiopian. God wanted to birth something that was purely Ethiopian. What some of us have been praying for for years, Brother John, an indigenous missionary movement among the Ethiopian people. And under God's leadership, that that creature would become the vessel through which the Ethiopian churches would be able to send Ethiopian missionaries to other nations and to send them, not with American money, but to send them financed by Ethiopians. And God blessed as I preached that morning. And after the conference, I was really encouraged. I I had to leave right after I preached. There was something physical that that uh, came over me, and I, I, I literally had no strength to even stand. And um, so I had to leave, but I was very encouraged by a text that I received from Burhanu afterwards when he said this, and, and this is a quote. He says, when I heard the word birth, I knew God was doing something very special. Yes, God has given birth to something, and it will reach the ends of the earth. And a very, very uh, wonderful observation by Burhanu. And uh, I want to continue on the PowerPoint here by showing you that when they gave the invitation, there were between 75 and 100 Ethiopians who came forward and surrendered at that altar, saying, Here am I, Lord. Send me. How that's going to happen and all of the logistics of that, none of us can figure out. But God has all of that clearly taken care of in in how he was leading in that that movement. And uh, let's see here. Okay. So it's my privilege to introduce to you Something new that God has birthed. And we're not talking mystical and weird and 
just something that God has, has, has brought about, something God has brought to life in the hearts and in the minds of the Ethiopian people, that they are ready and they are willing, and with God's help, they are able to now send forth missionaries to the other nations of the world. Now, I'm going to ask you to pray for this baby, uh, that you would pray for, uh, for, for the growth and maturing of that and for, uh, for all of the, uh, the, the, the logistical things that would need to be worked out so that those people who, who have surrendered their life now uh, to serve God in other places, uh, that, they, that God would bring that about in his time and in his planning. And um, I want to ask you to, to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. You can also be praying for the leadership of the East Africa Baptist Mission. As um, Brother Bruhanu, uh, he, he is an amazing man. Uh, some, of you, uh, some of you have not met him, but uh, God willing, he will be coming here the early part of next year uh, to report to his churches and to, um, uh, to, to, to see what the Lord would have for him on a short stateside ministry uh, here in the States. But um, I want to direct your attention back to the theme of that conference. Our mission is global. Our mission is global. And I want to break that down into three, three, three specific words there. I'm not going to tell you anything new, but I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this for a purpose of, 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 of I want to paint a picture in your, in your hearts and in your minds today with God's help. The word our, that talks about things that belong to you and to me. It identifies a joint ownership of something. And then we have the word global all over the world, around the globe, everywhere, worldwide. And when we put those two, two thoughts together, that we, we come up with this idea. There is something which belongs to you and me, and it belongs to us all over the world. It's not just the suit of clothes that we wear or the, the, the wallet we have in our pocket or the, the phone that we have on us. It's not just those little individual things. It's, it's not about our stuff that we so actively pursue and accumulate throughout our life. But I want to I want to I want to fill in here the missing word that something that belongs to you and me all over the world is the mission. The mission is what belongs to us. It doesn't just belong to bio. It doesn't just belong to a missionary. It belongs to each and every one of us who profess the name of Christ. It's not about our stuff. It's not about the globe. It's not about the planet. And so our, our focus here today is going to be on the mission. 
And we're not going to talk about the mission as something that would just be a dictionary definition. And we'll not talk about the mission as maybe some committee or some group somewhere might decide, well, here's what our mission is. No, there is, there is a very clear picture in the Bible of what our mission is. And that's why I've asked you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, with God's help, I want to show you from this chapter a pictorial demonstration of what our mission is. If we don't know what our mission is, it's very likely that we're not going to accomplish it. Other things, we will think, well, maybe this is the mission, maybe this is the mission. But if we can catch sight of what our mission really is, And then with God's help, we begin to pursue it with passion. Uh, it reminds me of a story of a guy uh, that I heard about a guy. He went to a store, wanted to get there early in the morning before all of the crowds. And when he got to this store, he walked up to the front, and there in the doorway was this huge box. It was sticking halfway outside the door halfway inside, still in the store. And he thought, well, that's a, that's a strange way to conduct business. And he kind of scratching his head, well, what, what do I do now? And then he saw that box move a little bit. And so he realized there's someone inside trying to move this box. And so he called out. He says, uh, say, could, uh, could I help you move this box? The person inside said, yes, I'd love to have your help. So for 30 minutes, they wrestled with this monstrosity, and it had only moved an inch or two. And that's when the person inside said, hey, let's take a break. I don't think we're ever going to get this box outside. And that's when the guy outside said, you're trying to get it outside? I thought you were trying to get it inside. Okay. And while that's a, a little bit of a humorous story, I think it's illustrative of what happens to us as believers and as a church, even as a missions organization, what can happen to us if we don't understand the direction God is trying to move his plans. We could actually end up working against him or moving things in the wrong direction. And so here in Genesis chapter 1, uh, God has shown me there is a working demonstration of what he is trying to do in this world. And I want to read for you Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And we're going to pause right there. Try to imagine what that might have looked like. At the end of the sixth day of creation, and the creator is standing there looking at everything that he had made. He sees the light which he commanded on the first day of creation. And you know what the light is doing? 
It's filling up the darkness. It's doing what it was told to do. God sees the waters which he commanded on the second day. He commanded them to separate. And there were some of the waters that were ascending and filling up areas of our atmosphere. The waters which did not rise in the atmosphere, they began flowing downwards and filling oceans and lakes and rivers. God then looks at the results of his creative works, and he sees grasslands, and he sees flowers and trees and forests that are filling up the land areas. They're filling up the land. We read about the fourth day of creation where God had uh, created the stars also. And God turns his attention as they're on the end of sixth day of creation looking at the vastness of, of the heavens and space. And, and God sees stars and planets and moons that are filling space. God then looks at the results of his commands on the fifth day. And as he looks at those oceans and lakes, he sees that they're filling up with fish and marine life. He looks at the atmosphere, and he sees it filling up with birds. All of this uh, line for line, uh, according to the the, uh, record of creation as we have it there in Genesis chapter 1. Everything filling up exactly like God commanded it to. And then he looks at what he had commanded on the sixth day, and he sees those grasslands and forests and mountains that are filling up with animal life. And every kind of creeping thing imaginable. And we read verse 31 again, Genesis 1:31. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. If I may paraphrase that, God looked at everything he made. And he said, that's exactly what I had in mind. That's exactly what was in my mind. And it came to be. I remind you that on the sixth day of creation, God did something else. Before the day was over on day six, he handcrafted an image of himself. He created human beings, a male and a female version. And as that sixth day of creation draws to a close, God meets with this masterpiece of his creative work. If you're in Genesis chapter 1, please follow as I read verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them. Now let me pause there. Those three words, those four words, God said unto them. That is entirely different than what God said in everything that happened prior in this chapter. 
Previously, God was speaking to either to emptiness for something to be filled or he was speaking to something that was there and he told it what to do. He was speaking to inanimate material objects. But there's, there, there was a change in the, in the dynamics of, 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 of what God is doing here. And on that sixth day of creation, it tells us that God said unto them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. I'm going to direct your, the focus here to those three words, replenish the earth. That simply means fill it up. If you were being a good listener, well, let me, let me, let me shoulder most of the, the burden here. If I was communicating effectively and you were listening, on the other days of creation, I was talking about things that were filling up the realm for which God had created them and into which God had assigned them to fill it up. Now God is looking face to face with his own image, a male and a female version of his image. And God tells them, fill it up. Fill up the earth with my image. That'd make a great title for a sermon. In fact, that, uh, that is the title for our sermon today. Filling the earth with the image of God. And church, I present to you this morning, that is our mission. It's not, it's not just to make this earth a better place to go to hell from. It's to fill the earth with the image of God. If we, if we will, if we will catch sight of this by faith and let the Holy Spirit order our steps and direct us in, in what we're doing, make, making that the passion of our life. You know, that filling the earth is, is, is not a new passion to people. Coca-Cola has filled the earth. Car companies have filled the earth. Microsoft and Apple, they have filled the earth. That was their mission. What about us? We have something that is far more significant, far more superior than anything that men could contrive or, or, or manufacture and try to fill the earth with it. There's something that we have. You and I are God's image bearers. And God has given us the mission of filling the earth with his image. Now, we're going to, we're going to hold that thought. And I'm going to stretch that out across a timeline uh, through the scriptures, if you'll, if you'll follow along with me. Mankind did, in fact, fill the earth. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. So God told our first father and mother, you're my image, fill the earth. Fill the earth with my image is the the context and the application of that. 
Here in Genesis chapter 6, approximately 1,600 years after creation, I read in verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Once again, God looking at earth, and he sees something that has filled up the earth. And he sees the wickedness of man. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now verse 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. Listen to this. Don't just read it as words. Picture what this must have been when God experienced that. And he knew all about it, but God's describing it in, in words that, that we can relate to. And it grieved him at his heart. If I may paraphrase that, in contrast to what we said about the end of the sixth day of creation where God looked at everything that he had made and he said, that's exactly what I had in mind. And here, if I may paraphrase this, God looking at the earth and the wickedness that mankind had filled it with, and God said, that's not what I had in mind when I made you. And it grieved him in his heart. And God speaking through a broken heart, He begins dealing with a man named Noah. And look what God says in verse 11, Genesis chapter 6. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Man had filled the earth with corruption and violence. And then again in verse 13, God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God makes plans to destroy every man-made thing except for that ark. God was determined to destroy everything man-made because man had filled the earth with all of the wrong stuff. We come to Genesis chapter 9 as we are making a, a, a bit of a timeline here. The end of the flood, Noah and his family, who had, they were saved because they had placed their faith and their trust in God and the instructions that he had given to them to trust in him, believe in him, to come into the ark for salvation and deliverance. And in chapter 9, verse 1, God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, this sounds familiar, be fruitful and multiply and what? Replenish the earth. God is now talking to this group of eight people who in, in, in a spiritual way, they were his image bearers. 
those that he had brought through the, the judgment of the flood. And God's talking to them, and he says, now, fill the earth. And there again, the context can be understood that he's talking to those who bear his image and his likeness. I hope you're starting to see a pattern here. God keeps reminding mankind throughout the timeline of human history, your job as my image bearer is to fill the earth with my image and my likeness. And the mission that God gave to mankind is still first and foremost on the heart of God. God didn't throw up his hands and say, oh, what went wrong? What's the use? No, God continues to remind mankind, and I believe God is looking for those that have a listening ear to what we could call, I believe we could call it the heartbeat of God, that God is so pleased with himself and his perfections. Now, that sounds very conceited to you and me because we're all broken and we're not allowed to think like that, that we're, we're something so great and, and, and incredible. But God is. He is the absolute fullness of purity and perfection. He's the absolute fullness of power. And God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in, in their unity together, that, that, that they want the earth to be filled with their image. And God has never given up on this mission. Next in our timeline, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, the year is 33 A.D. So we've gone from multiple hundreds of years B.C. We're now into the, into the, the first part of the first century of the year of our Lord. What we're about to read in Matthew chapter 28 takes place just days after Jesus' resurrection. And read along as I, or follow along as I read verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. These eleven men, before Jesus was, was crucified, he told these eleven men that there will be a day where I want you to meet me on this mountain in Galilee. They couldn't understand and comprehend all of the the, the, the things with the crucifixion and, and the atrocities of that, but, but they knew now that this was the time we're to meet our Lord. These, these 11 men had just spent three years with Jesus Christ. They were no longer the fishermen and tax collectors and the zealots, political zealots, that they had been three years prior when Jesus had called them. Now follow follow the, the, the picture here. And I'm trying to, to form. 
These men were literally new creatures in Christ. They literally had the image of Jesus Christ imprinted on their hearts, in their minds, and it was being engraved into their souls. In the first five books of the New Testament, we find five five occasions where Jesus gave parting statements to these 11 men. And I'm just going to compress them for the sake of time. But in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Jesus told those 11 men, go. In Mark 16 and verse 15, he told them to go into all the world. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 47, he told them that when they go into all the world, that they are to preach his name among all nations. All nations. In John chapter 20 and verse 21, as Jesus met with them in the upper, uh, the upper room the day, after his, uh, the day of his resurrection, he said to them, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And then in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he told them, I send you to the uttermost part of the earth. And in these final words of Jesus Christ to his disciples, he once again reconfirms to them, God's mission for mankind is still in effect. He was telling them to fill the world with his image. Fill the world with his image. If I have my slides right. Our mission is global. And I'll make it even more personal. Faith Baptist Church. Our mission is global. Our church supports approximately 60 different missionaries and ministries. We can easily be satisfied with that. That's not enough. Because those 60 missionaries and ministries are not filling the earth. They are filling different pockets in different places. There needs to be more done. You know, in the past, uh, I guess, let's see here, about 30 minutes, we've been looking at a recurring theme in the Bible, a continuous thread which is woven throughout the tapestry of scripture, and the theme is this. Our creator has given us a mission, and the mission is for you and me to fill the earth with the image of God. That's not just something to know in our head and to be able to recite with our mouth. That's something that needs to become rooted and grounded in our hearts to change us to the point that we begin to fill whatever our world is at this moment, that we let God begin to fill that with his image where people could literally see Christ in us. They could hear it in the things that we say. 
They could see it in the things that we do. I had an interesting thing happen about a week ago. People are on edge everywhere you go, in case you haven't noticed. My wife and I were picking up something from a deli for my sister's birthday party, and it wasn't ready. I said to the lady, and I and I say this often, I try just to try to inject a little lightheartedness. Um, I said to the lady, I said, "So, do we get a complimentary trip to Hawaii for me and my wife uh, for the extra delay?" And she and the other lady, they they went on the defense. Well, there's just a lot going on. I said, I said, well, and when I saw the way that it didn't connect with them, I said, ladies, I said, I'm okay with the weight. I was just trying to be funny and take a little bit, of, a little bit of the edge off of things here. I said it was just a joke, and and you know, there's just a lot going on in people's lives. People around us really could use the comforting and encouraging presence of God in the situations that they deal with. We are to be that source. And there again, I'm not talking weird, mystical, magical kind of things there. I'm just talking about us having the presence of God in our life. And here's my closing thoughts. The one who repeatedly has told us throughout scripture, fill the earth with my image. He is the same one. If I have this. Okay, there. I have this right. He is the same one. If you look at the, the, that left-hand panel, he is the same one as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There in the book of Isaiah, they were talking And that chapter talks about the fullness of the earth, fullness of God's glory in the earth. And they ask the question, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And when Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord, that's shown to us in in Isaiah chapter 6. When he saw the glory of God and he heard the heartbeat of God, of God's desire, That the earth would know him, not just know about him, but they would know him in a personal way. When Isaiah heard the heartbeat of God, that he answered quickly and said, he simply said, he didn't have to go to Bible college to figure this out. He said, here am I, send me. Make me the one, choose me. To be the one, God, that you would send. And church, I want to, I want to tell you that God's heart, it beats with desire and expectation and anticipation that we would gladly and willingly partner with Him in making His image to be to be shown to the people around us. 
He wants to do that through us. Not through just a few select people that we sometimes think that they are, they live on a pedestal. It's for everyone of us. And while God's heart is beating with desire, expectation, and anticipation, what's missing far too often is our participation. Our participation is missing. And I'm going to keep this slide up here, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. In a few minutes, we're going to move into an invitation And I wonder if there's anyone who would step out by faith and say, here am I, Lord, send me. Let me take the edge off of that. That doesn't mean you all have to go to Africa, okay, or Borneo or wherever that worst place that you can imagine is. God has a place for each and every one of us in what he is doing. Oh, well, I could never do that. I just don't think God could use me. And I wrote myself a note here, be kind. But I'm going to be blunt. That kind of thinking is lame. To think that God cannot equip you and empower you to do what he has told you to do, that kind of thinking is lame. And just for the record, read the four Gospels. God healed lame people. Yeah, you got that. People who couldn't walk Physically, they wanted to, but they couldn't walk physically. God healed them. We need to have the desire to walk spiritually. In the spirit of God, and when we have that desire, God will empower us and equip us and enable us to walk. I've got to give you this example Something that I overheard a conversation (laughs) in Ethiopia. Out of all the other wonderful things that happened, this, this one thought here would have been worth the trip just to hear this. We met another American there, Tanner. I don't know if you remember. We were sitting down in the lobby there. Met another American there. And he was, just in in a passing conversation, he made this comment. He said, and we were talking about missions. He said, and what about those Filipino housemaids? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He went on to explain this. There was a large group of Filipino ladies who said, Here am I, Lord, send me. 
And as they prayed and they sought God's leading on their life, God made it clear that he wanted them to go to Muslim countries in the Middle East as missionaries. And then they found out the, the real facts. You can't go to Middle Eastern countries as a missionary. They prayed, Lord, what does that mean? We're willing. You've told us where to go. How do we do it? And that's when God directed their attention to an employment agency in the Philippines who hires single ladies to serve as housekeepers, nannies, and domestic servants in Middle Eastern countries. And those ladies, I understand it could be dozens and maybe hundreds of those ladies. They are living in the Middle East right now inside Muslim homes, inside closed countries, and they are bringing Muslim women and Muslim children to Christ right under the noses of the Muslim fathers. His family members are being saved and discipled You don't have to be a CSI certified fingerprint technician to realize that has God's fingerprints all over it. How do those things happen? It happens when someone simply says, here am I, Lord, send me. Would you stand together with me and bow your heads and close your eyes as we look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, for us to say that you were amazing and incredible. It almost sounds like an understatement. Lord, when we think back to how you first created us, as we've looked at the scriptures of the mission that you've given us, then as we look at the world around us, even our own nation, we realize how horribly that we are failing. And that the failure is not on your side, it's on our side. And Lord, I'm asking that you would help us here as we, we have heard the words. But if we're not careful that we're going to leave that message just laying here in this auditorium in a few minutes when we leave. What I'm asking, Lord, is that you would quicken the words of truth in our hearts and minds 
and that you would show us how to make a determination and a decision today that we are going to become serious and sober-minded and surrendered to what it is that you want to do through us in this world that you've allowed us or allowing us to live in. So please help us now as we stand in quietness and meditation upon the message here this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would move upon hearts of those whom you've been dealing with about surrender and that they would step forward and meet you here at this altar. And then, Lord, that you would also move upon the hearts of those who are not saved, who might possibly have no idea what we mean when we're talking about bearing the image of God in our life. And I pray for anyone in this room who is not saved or someone watching online who is not saved, I pray that this would be the day where they open their heart to receive Christ as their Savior. Please help us in these things and that we would be sensitive to your leading and submitted under the Lordship of Christ. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. Now just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. (laughs) 